Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lot, 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 there is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon dropped Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then the people talk a lot about their training staff. Love, love, love. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to RSG One Mic. Uh, tonight we will be talking about the AFC South and the AFC North here on One Mic. Uh, we'll be answering questions like, will Deshaun Watson take the reins from J.J. Watt this year? You know, it's been J.J. Watt's team in Houston. Will luck remain unlucky in the health department? Is this Mariota's last lifeline in Tennessee? And will Nick Foles take Jacksonville beyond Jalen Ramsey's tweets and Brink Trucks rentals? We'll also be looking at Will Big Ben remind folks about his greatness. You know his name. You know who he is. We will talk about that. And can the Browns go beyond the hype? Is is Baker for real or is it all hype? And will Lamar Jackson take that jump that Baltimore needs him to take? And will the Bengals new head coach? What? The Bengals have a new head coach? I mean, I can't wait to hear what Hank is going to say about this one. Zach Taylor. Will, will he finally take Cincy on a run in the playoffs, or will they be the same old Bengals? Welcome to RSG One, Mike. This is the place where we make it happen. You can find us on all podcast platforms, but please, if you always want to get to us, go to realsportsguys.com, and you can connect with us. Click on the podcast tab, and you can get our latest uh, podcast, or you can go way back in our catalog uh, to make uh, to get a sense of the history. We've got some great stuff. I mean, you can go back. you got some gems all throughout that catalog. If you want to just reminisce on topics, uh, hit that up. But before I get in there, i got to bring my partners, my co-partners, my, my folks who are going to be with me tonight uh, into the things. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to start with the youngin who had a brawl today, uh, coaching and trying to keep his, oh, his players. Oh, man. What, what happened over there, that. man? What's up? 
Man, but we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't talk about that yet. But um, I gotta. Seriously, you can't teach the youngest how to play. What's going on? Man, what's um, going on? I was listening to the intro to the show. How old is this intro? They got you on there talking about Phoenix basketball. When when was the last time we talked about Phoenix basketball on this show? Man, we about to update you know that. What? But I. But you know what? We're going to try it up there, but I like to give a little old school because, you know, <laughs> I want you to know where you came from. If you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going, youngin. And we always want to be we, we don't ever. You hate what you We don't ever want to act like we straight from the street. We are out of the trunk of this. We don't ever want to get too high and mighty. So I always just remind us of those days, but we will update. It's been much noted. Maybe that's a task you can do, intern. That's something you can help me out with, man. You got the skills. You want, so is that an assignment you want to take on? I think I'm hearing that. Hmm. Oh, we got silence. I don't know. We got <laughs> we can't we, we can't be stating problems and no solutions. You know we, we we the real sports guys. We ain't got that kind of budget, but <laughs> we got to go with it. Uh, but how you doing other than that? Other than that, good. We're just getting out of two a day. Um, I've been real busy with a lot of things, but it's all it's all been fun. <laughs> having a good time coaching. Okay. Players looking good and looking like we're going to have a pretty good team this year. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep monitoring. I got, I'm about to get over there and, and, and go see the team play at some point. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep monitoring and see what you're doing, Coach. And we got to bring in the old school. See, he wasn't here with us last week. Uh, we want to thank my man, the Hammer, for being with us last week. We had a great show last week with myself, Hammer, uh, and uh, 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 my man, Darnell. We got we had a good energy. But that meant we didn't have my boy Hank because he was like six hours away. He was over there in the island, Hawaii. He was over there where I was uh, a little over uh, a little under a year last year to Maui. He, he came back with at least two legs because he went out to mess around with some sharks, but he's back. What's up? What's up, traveler? What's up, Hank? Hey, man, I feel good. I got to I got to take a vacation for my vacation, man. But I'm gonna tell you right now, my hips hurting from doing the hula. My stomach is, is full from the luau. But I'm ready to get back with you all and get to, and get to talking about some of the stuff that's going on around here. You know, is it, I I had a chance to see the world famous Aloha Stadium in Honolulu. Didn't realize that little stadium's only fifty thousand uh, uh, seats. You to, I, I happened to be out there at the time when the Cowboys was playing the Rams. They were actually tailgating out there when we was there on my last day. But that's a tiny little stadium, and they were they were talking about that they wanted to build a new one and make it even smaller. They said because it's too old. I said too old. How old is it? They said it's fifty years old. I said how old is the big house? You know, that holds 100,000. Just do a little renovation. That's why you can take your time to do whatever you want to. But, again, I'm glad to be back, glad to be being able to talk a little stuff with you all. And a little uh, breaking news I just found out, you know, just a switch gears just real quick. You know, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down. I see the gauntlet has been thrown down. I see that Tyron Lue has been hired by the L.A. Clippers as an assistant coach. Now, you tell me if that's not a calculated move. And here we go. Yep. And, you know, and he's rejoined with his old uh, head coach, uh, Doc Rivers, and they got a great relationship. And, again, they're strengthening that bench. They got a strong team. 
Um, they, they're putting all that firepower on that coaching bench over there. Uh, they look at, they look at, uh, but you know, I mean, they, the Clippers are coming to take over. Uh, they are yeah, not yeah. there just to be, they're coming to take over. And they're going to, and they uh, 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 are going to do the best they can. So this is going to be an interesting ride uh, happening with that. Well, speaking of basketball, here in the open mic, since we're kind of going in a little bit, um, there's a lot of chatter, uh, especially with the Lakers, uh, with possibly getting Dwight Howard. Uh, but also out of that, uh, there was chatter around, you know, what LeBron should be doing for Carmelo. You know, uh, Steve May Smith said today, uh, uh, on uh, first take, he, you know, as, as a lot of people reported that some of this might be related to chatter happening around coaches and GMs, um, you know, people putting stuff out in the, in the streets. You know, clearly uh, Carmelo is someone who is uh, an elite player. When I, when, I, when I talk, you know, elite no more, but he's someone who can contribute. You know, I hear people talk about, like, he's the 10th or 11th person. On, no, he's not. No, he's not. But the question is, would he be willing to be that seventh, eighth man on the team, on that second team rotation to be that scorer? And he's, he's doing it, but some of this might be related to the front office people, you know, uh, do whatever their private uh, uh, message chats or whatever, uh, uh, being part of this and raising the issue of whether or not LeBron, you know, as someone who is influential, uh, could play a role in getting him with the, with the Lakers. But, but now we got Howard because of the injury uh, to Boogie. Um, this conversation around Howard returning to L.A., which is, when I heard this, was crazy. Um, and so I know this is your topic, Darnell, that you want to put on here. You know, give me your perspective on on, on these things, and then we'll go to Hank. Yeah, so when I first heard this, right, I, I thought this is a great move. He could be the backup big, or he could even start alongside Anthony Davis. We know Anthony Davis does not like playing in the center position. But, um, Dwight Howard, he's in the need of a job right now. He, he's not a lot of teams are showing him interest. I know he was injured last year. But if you look at him, the year before last, he averaged 17 and 13. Like, this is a guy that still has basketball left in his body. He can play. And the other, and I heard even though the Lakers had interest in, in Dwight Howard, they were saying, um, like, I think Brian Windhorst was the guy that said, he doesn't think it's going to happen. They're also looking at Joe Kim Noah and um, Marcin Gortat. If they if they sign Gortat over Dwight Howard, what is that saying? Like, what is Gortat didn't even play the NBA last down thing. He was over. He's overseas right now. And um, Joe Kim Noah, he just got the call from being overseas. Like, he was overseas, and then, then he got called back to um to play with the Grizzlies last season. So. I, I don't know what's going on, man. Why can't he find a job? And at the same time, if um they if they if the Lakers end up signing like a guy like Gortat or something like that, what does that say about Carmelo Anthony? He has a guy with a one of his best friends on the team that has probably out of anybody the most influence out of any player in the league. How come Carmelo can't find a job even on a team like the Lakers? Because um. A lot of people are saying, you know, um, uh, Carmelo's old, Carmelo's washed up. He can't do what he used to be able to do. You can't tell me there's 400-something players in the NBA that are better than Carmelo Anthony because if you go back and go back and reminisce on the playoffs from last year, just go back and watch some of those games, man. You you got um, – go back and watch the Philadelphia 76ers. You, they had their starters 
they had the starting five and maybe one or two rotational players. And other than that, nobody can could even think like there. There are so many unplayable players that you they couldn't even think about putting them on the court. You look at the Warriors after they after their injuries um, after their injuries happen. You have guys coming on the court that the defense wouldn't even look at them. They had the Toronto Raptors running box and one in the NBA final game because nobody, because nobody on the court would even think about looking at the basket, other than um, Steph and Clay. So there, there is, I believe, with his talent, he should be able to find somewhere to play. And I don't believe his attitude is going to be a hindrance for him because if you, um, if you listen to the reputation that he has around the league. He's a guy that that his he he's been known as a good guy, you know. He um gets along with his teammates and stuff like that. He he'll be able to fall in line. You, you, we saw him with the um with the um team USA and we saw him even with the Rockets. Um they didn't they didn't mesh but he he even he knew even of himself like when he shot a mid range, he was like, Oh my bad, my bad. He was at least trying to fit in. So that's pretty much all I got to say about that. I don't know why they can't find a job, but I think I do. It has something to do with um, the front offices, like you said earlier. You might have made yeah, it, and, and I, you know, it's one it's one of the things. But you know, um, you know, people, you know, Vince Carter, I think, is a standard for how you how you age racially, and I think. You know, so I think what happened was in Oklahoma City. I think you remember that, that press conference when somebody talked to him about willing to come off the bench, and he started laughing. Yeah. And that laughter in people's minds, like, oh, that put him in the AI category, right? Versus yeah. saying, hey, so um, I'll do whatever the team needs to be done at this point in my career. You know, like Mark McGuire did when he played with the Pistons. I'm going to the bench for Dennis Robinson start because he's going to be better, right? And so. Where are those moments? But I think that was more of a slip than Carmelo because even even when he played on the USA team, there's times when he was taking the back seat uh, with that and other things. So he wasn't he wasn't adverse to doing it. And, and the teams we're talking about are so elite, it's obvious. If he's coming to the Lakers, he can do that with the Lakers, kind of like Mark McGuire could do that with Isaiah, right? Mark McGuire was going to play that role with anybody, but with his boy Isaiah, he's going to play that role, right? And so. The, the teams we're talking about are elite and have a kind of locker room where he he would do it, and he's like one or he's like two years removed from that that press conference. But those are the kind of things I think linger uh, in people's minds and are, are are the kind of stuff when people like some of the folks in Houston might want to put that track out there because you want to be wrong, you don't want to go somewhere and blow up. See, that's part of it. You know, the analytics guy, you don't want him to go somewhere and blow up uh, because he didn't shoot enough threes for y'all. And so, you know, you want to put that track out there because he's going to blow up. Now there's another bad move you made. So there's a lot of reasons why people might put that kind of stuff out there in, in, in the wind. Hank, what's, I want you to chime in on this a little bit before we go to the next topic. Okay, here's, here's, here's what I see. We're talking about the Carmelo piece. With the Carmelo piece, I think there was such a debacle in Houston for him last year. Okay, and and what you see in the NBA because it's, it's it's such a patent place right there, such a dramatic thing because you can see these players, 
you 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 start to read the facial expressions, you start to read the body language, and then you get that narrative out there. So we let's look at Carmelo Anthony for a minute. All right. Now, if if you if you're Carmelo Anthony at this stage in your career, you want to go somewhere and at least attempt to win a championship. But I'm gonna tell you another thing that I think hurt Carmelo is that when he had an opportunity to go and sign with a competitive team to try to help win a championship, he chose to go to New York and get the money. Okay, so don't think for a minute that some front office uh, GM was not looking at that, that when he had his opportunity, he chose to go get the cash instead of trying to go and play for a championship. So now you get late in your career, and the question becomes, okay, do you still want to be the leading scorer? And, you know, he took a lot of uh, uh, PR hits when he was in New York about he just wanted to score and all these other sort of things. And so when you start talking about the Lakers, you start talking about these other teams that now have a legitimate shot to contend. Um, that You got strike one on Carmelo Anthony with the move to New York. He got strike two in the debacle in Houston. So now, you know, the teams that, that, will, that will get him don't want to pay him. Right, and the teams are playing for a championship. Don't don't feel like that that he's worth the risk, and so now you're asking for LeBron James to try to kind of uh, endorse him somewhere, but he's not going to sit there and and make his bed hard neither. You know, and, and the thing about it is, even when you're talking about Dwight Howard, you got Jeannie Buss over there. The I mean, uh, 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 Darnell. You know, they've already had that experiment, and depending upon how much influence that uh, Black Mamba has, you know, on on the, mm-hmm. on the Lakers and, and on that, he's already got a black mark. So to try to come back and try to win a championship, you know, would be almost hypocrisy, you know, from the Lakers' standpoint, to even try to d- deal with him. But with Carmelo, I think that the moves that he had, when he had the opportunity to make the proper moves for him and for, you know, him looking like trying to be that, that type, of, type of team player, he blew it. In the eyes of, in my opinion, in the eyes of the of the front office, because he went for the money and not for the title. And, but I would, I mean, the, the Dwight Howard thing. This, these are, this is grown up decisions right here. Dwight Howard still today, and I think uh, Darnell, you hit it right on the head. Is a double double waiting to happen. And so, if, if he's willing just to be a rim runner, if he's willing to like run the lane and rebound and play defense. There's not too many people in the league still today that can't give you what Dwight Howard's going to give you. And he's not going to be your focal point in your offense. To me, that's a no-brainer. Like, he's going to be a rim runner. He's going to block. He'll complement what you already have in there in in AD. AD can already space the floor because he can shoot the three. But this is a guy who can run up and down the middle of the court, control the paint, rim run, and he's just 10 rebounds waiting to happen, and he can score without running plays. To me, you need a presence in getting out on the break, and he's somebody who can help protect protect LeBron. When LeBron's on defense, because LeBron at a point he's not going to be playing every night, but when you got a guy like like Dwight Howard who can still contest shots, that, now you got him, you got you got AD. To me, and I think that was part of why Dwight addressed the issue about him and Kobe a few months ago. You remember he addressed that, saying, you know, I'm beginning to yeah. understand what he was saying. That was kind of a shot over to say, look, man, I'm learning through my age and my maturity. But just from all that aside, that is the pickup. You know, I love Carmelo, but if I'm looking at a pickup to get, I'm getting Howard because Howard is a double-double without even breathing. 
And what that does for you down the break. So I, that one, I understand Mama might have it, but if you're trying to win games, and you, you're looking over there with, with, uh, what the Clippers are doing, you, you get, you're going to get Howard on the cheap. I wouldn't be it's surprised like, if the Clippers don't go after Howard. Yeah, they're gonna mess around and grab him. I'm like, you, you study, you study, you study laws. <laughs> you know, you, you study laws, study wrong. You know, that's gone. And so that one makes mm-hmm. all the sense in the world. And then if you can get, this is what I say about Carmelo. This is where analytics go wrong, and I, it just drives me crazy. Because, and this is when people watch Golden State closely <laughs> in crunch time. Analytics help you with eighty percent of the game. But in crunch time, and this is where this is where Houston struggles, because in crunch time, when you've decided you're only going to score from two areas on the floor, great defenses will close those things off. What what made Golden State was they could do all of that, but when crunch time they did, they shot the shot that was open. And the number of times you see Steph pull up in the mid range, you have to make shots, and there's no better shot maker than Carmelo. He still can make shots, and so if he's willing to be your Vinny Johnson in those clutch moments, that's what you go get him for. And I think right now he's ready to 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 do that. And if I was a young team that's on the verge of maybe pushing over the top, and he can give you them Vinny minutes, or if I was something like you know uh, 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 the Lakers, really being part of that second unit where where maybe you, you could run the screen and roll with him and LeBron and do some things where they used to doing some stuff, I would seriously think about that. He wasn't a good match for Houston because they playing game of basketball. You know, uh, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out in Oklahoma. You had too many ball-dominant people. It just wasn't working out. But in a place that's willing to move the ball cause, uh, like that, I, th- I think he would be he would be uh, all right. But the Lakers need to get Howard. Like, they should get Howard yesterday. Because for what they right. going to cost them, I would get him as nothing else, statue. Because you don't want somebody else to get him. But I think I think he would help you in in, in a minute just on defense, running the floor, get rebounds. That would be it. Hey, this is what you gotta do. You you gotta be you gotta be the Clint Capella for us. That's all we want you to do. We want you to be Clint Capella plus. We want you to run to the front of the rim and look. We want you to rebound and want you to block the shot. That's all I want you doing. Okay. And we'll win chips. I think he, I think Howard would be willing to do that. Because, like you said, 17 and 13, two years, eight. I, right now, Howard would get you 15 and 10. Who don't want 15 and 10? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Somebody will get fired. I, I'm, I'm trying, trying to help you, uh, Plinka. You hear me? I'm trying to help you. I know you're a Michigan man. I'm trying to help you, man. You can mess around here. I'm going to talk about you. I don't care. We're the real sports guys. I don't care. I'm from Ann Arbor. I'll talk about you. Y'all better start making a move and quit listening to them rambuses. All right, so we're going to look at some football on this with Mike. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, man, you know, I criticize the Cowboys, but I have I – have and I'm a Steelers fan. I'm going to put it out here. But I quietly have affection for Jerry Jones. <laughs> he gangster. <laughs> Jerry Jones reminds folks that he will bike. You know, he, you know, he made a little joke about uh, 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 he made a little joke uh, you, you know, about Zeke. You know, Zeke, who he was just joking. You know, and it, he, he's young in today. And Darnell, you got to help me. Y'all, y'all, y'all got sometimes y'all too, man. Your skin too thin, man. It, it, he's young and boy, he makes a little joke. So now everybody wants he was going to social media other places and they want to want to express 
that this ain't what it's all about. After Jerry Jones, Darren Near tried to get the, the commissioner fired for, for sitting him out game. Jerry took it personal with the bat for him. And then he going to have that little reaction at there. And Jerry, Jerry not only did that, Jerry went and signed another player if he sent a shot across the bow. And then, like he said, I earned the right to joke with Zeke. I, I think he was right on. He has earned the right. If there's any owner that's earned, earned the right to do a joke like that, it's Jerry Jones. There is not a more player-centered owner I've ever seen, like to, the, to a fault, to a fault, than Jerry Jones. And so he went out there. When y'all heard that, hey, you heard how this, this, this whole kind of recent set of events with Jerry and, and Zeke, you were very active. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all because Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones has always been a trailblazer in the NFL. He's always been a hellraiser in the NFL. You know, he was the one who was trying to get corporate sponsorships when the other teams were, were going all crazy about it. This is Jerry Jones. Okay, he do what he wants to do. Jerry Jones was the first one to sign two superstars and have them pay and pay whatever they wanted. You know, uh, Jerry Jones is the one who's got the big yacht and do whatever. I mean, he do whatever he wants to do. So I'm not surprised by that. You can't be surprised by anything that particular owner does. You know, he drives people crazy. You know, he, he's an owner, but he'll but he'll be like you said. He asked for uh, the commissioner to be fired because if it impacts him, he's going to protect his cowboys, as he says. So I wasn't surprised by that. I wasn't surprised by because, like you said, I'm the businessman here. And one thing he is is he's a quintessential businessman. He knows what he's doing, okay? And he will play, he will stare you down, and he won't blink. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, and he's going to get what he he's going to get what he wants anyway. He has the entire time he's been the uh, owner of the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you know, it, it looks like you know, I think the deal's going to get done. You know, but I think one of the things that uh, uh, Zeke has got to understand in this is that he's in this situation because of his behavior, opposite. From Ohio State on. And nobody would question his value on the field. And I think there's a, a great show to do about this whole way in which um, running backs are being positioned and branded in the way of, you know, um, being um, uh, uh, valued or devalued uh, in the league um, uh, just because of the way that people are um, branding what they do. And I think that's part of why Le'Veon Bell took the position he did. Because I think some of these uh, running backs are being branded incorrectly in terms of their work, um, and they got to get a little bit more savvy with, with that. But but that ain't the unfield stuff is not the stuff that that the Cowboys are questioned on. You know they can't give everybody money, but their biggest thing uh, is is being trusted. He's like I'm getting money. You can win when you're here, but man, you haven't been here because of stuff that had nothing to do with football. And and I think that's a and, and, and even through all those times, Jerry was there uh, uh, supporting him. When everybody was like, why are you doing it? So, uh, and Jerry's on a diet. It's uh, Steven, Steven put him on a money diet because there's a cap. There's a hard cap. And, you know, we got to get these guys on decent time. we got to get all this stuff to win. we got to have all these women ready to go. So, Jerry is Jerry, man, and I, and I love it. 
uh, uh, Darnell, uh, what's your perspective before we move on to next topic in the open mic? Well, I'm kind of with Hank on this one. Jerry is Jerry, but at the same time, I don't think he meant too much about that uh, with that comment. Because I think he was just trying to big up his guy, the youngin that was doing his, that was putting in work, the backup. He was like, well, Zeke who? It's kind of like when Bob Myers made that remark at the Warriors, um, when the Warriors won the championship a couple years ago. He's just joking around. Put Zeke just took it too personal. I said that's where it went south, but that was my prediction. I heard that. I said, oh, it's about to go south. Yeah, because of the penalty. You're right. I think your point is right. It's right on. Yeah, he, but, wasn't, he wasn't meant to leave out. But as far as the running back position being, as far as the running back position being devalued, I think that's a little overblown. That's how the media talks about a lot. But if you if you really look at um the teams that are um the teams that are winning, like look at the Patriots last year in the Super Bowl. Um, what the, what decided the Super Bowl was that one drive, they ran the ball like, it seemed like they ran the ball like 11 straight plays right down the middle over and over and over again. They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't stop the running game. They had, Tony Michelle had a good game. You, you see the other team that was in there, C.J. Anderson, and he almost had like a, C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, they combined for like almost 200 yards when they played the Cowboys. And then you see the Cowboys, they had the um, league leader rushing. They're like, See, you see all the final four, final six teams that are left in the playoffs. They all have good running games. Like you have, um, you have, you had um, Dallas. You had the Rams. You had um, the Chiefs, which had Patrick Mahomes. But but before Kareem Hunt went down, Kareem Hunt, he was a big part of their offense as well. You had um, who else? Yeah, that was, that's not the final four. Um. Who the Rams play? They played the Saints, which also had Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is um, one of the leading all-purpose guys in the league as far as as far as running back position goes. So you have—I won't say you have to have a serviceable running back, but a serviceable running back can still help you win games in the league today. So I don't—I don't know if they're necessarily being—I um, don't know if their um, value has lowered. As much as people are saying, because you see guys like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, getting drafted high, top five in the draft. Like when they used to say, you shouldn't draft a running back in the first round. So, um, I think yeah, the is starting to value as well. But you, I mean, you, you, you're making my point. And so, when it comes to negotiations, um, there are there are um, more average quarterbacks getting real money, like people who don't translate right. to winning than quality running back. That's where the problem becomes. Nobody's ever going to, you know, get mad at Aaron Rodgers getting money. Nobody's going to get mad at Andrew Luck getting money. Nobody's going to get mad yeah, at Mahomes getting money. But, but when you get – some of these guys are getting $20 million, and you, and you, you try to justify why you can't pay somebody like Zeke or Le'Veon Bell $20 million about the value of winning – and people are like, well, passing game. Well, they are part of the passing game, right? They're an extension of the tight end in many of these offenses, right? And so, and you don't account for that. You're just talking about the rushing attempts. No, no, no. He's replacing that top, your, your, the stuff you're not getting from your tight end because you, you got your receiver production, but 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 they're giving you 
when Zeke is getting the screen, when Zeke is getting all these the balls out of the backfield, where when Le'Veon's getting it, when uh, Kamara's getting it, they're they they're replacing the production yep. you would have given to a touch because you don't have anybody to give it to. So so or, or slot receiver, and and you and, and that's why Le'Veon was saying, hey, I need this receiver money. <laughs> because that's what I'm getting. So I I respect that. So I think everything you made is right on and 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 so it's like you're not you're not rewarding for that production. And people are like, well they're 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 they climb faster. Well quarterback play other than other than people like Brady, those cats decline most of those kids have been declining pretty fast. You got a handful of guys who are around, but they have to decline as well. They're not. They're not. Look they're not getting people to change. Like, look at look at Eli. Look at Eli, and I love Eli. I think Eli's is great, but he's he's been declined for six, seven years, and you still paying him money. So exactly. if, if right. that's true, then that's going to be equitable across all positions. Right. You, know, you see guys so, like Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. They're still kicking. Like um, they're still yeah. giving you viable viable touches. And Frank Gore, shoot, he was he was at Miami when. Sean Taylor was at Miami. I mean, and he's still he's if, still in the league. If Frank, Gore, Frank Gore had a New Year's do what in his senior year, everybody thought he was he would be done. Right. And look how long he's been around. producing big numbers. A, yeah. And I and I looked at so, this, I mean, and I looked at you know, I looked at some stats right, and it said Frank Gore is yeah. the third all-time leading rusher in NFL history. That absolutely shocked me. Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you look at total yards, yeah, when you look at total yards from scrimmage, and you look at all these things, the top five people, six people, are all going to be running backs annually on teams who are very good. And you can't use, and this is where I get mad at, and this is where people analysts everything. You don't use the Patriots. Like for a number of reasons. <laughs> well, Tom Brady right back. Well, that's that's a, that's what we call an outlier in statistics. Don't use them. Don't use them. <laughs> like like, what's the frequency of all these other people doing this? No, it's not as frequent. Like, don't don't base it on with Brady. You don't have Brady, and you don't have Belichick. So so don't use that as part of what you're what, what you're doing. We need to control for that. We almost need to remove the Patriots from any statistical analysis we do in the NFL. Right. Like, remove them and then work on something else. So it, it's, it's like in some of these other teams haven't, like, haven't been as consistent. Even somebody like Breeze, who's great, they run into some balls that they want. They want a Super Bowl. They maybe need to run the football a little bit more. Right? So, so it, it's one of these things. That that just drives me crazy. But you know, Jerry Jerry's gonna be doing his stuff. Let's go. Let's go on to hard knocks. My man Mike Mayer. You know, I was criticizing how he got the job, but I've always liked this guy. I, I when he was a when he was a media guy, I considered him. Uh, I, I used to tell my boy Phil Steve, I was like, I, he, I felt like he was a Hubie Brown of NFL football, the way he broke things down. But Mike Mayer once volunteered. He don't want hostages. His statement was like, hey, you done all we can do? Is A.B. all in or all out? Yeah, your boy A.B. showed up. Mike Mayer said he's he, he not he, – he, I guess I guess Tom was not the only one who who who, uh, who doesn't want uh, – uh, who wants volunteers and not hostages. But then A.B. came back, you know, A.B., women lie, men lie, but analytics don't. 
AB AB got his own state of his case and everything else. There's a whole bunch of things happening over there in Raider Nation. What do you what do you, I don't know if you had a chance to watch Hard Knocks or just pay attention to it? I'll go I'll go you Darnell. What are you making of what's happening right now in Raider Land? Man, I saw the first episode. I haven't seen the rest of it. I don't have HBO, but man, Hard Knocks is a good show. But uh, as far as Antonio Brown is, as far as he's concerned, I can't um, I can't really defend this dude anymore. Um, but AB, he's starting to look like the other AB. Antonio, um, uh, he's starting to be the other AB. Adrian, the problem brother. He's um, some some days he's motivated. He's in it. The other day, he's talking about he on some bipolar um he's going some bipolar rant talking about boxing is a um a lonely game. I'm going to retire. He said you got the same thing with Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't need football. Next thing he's talking about, I'm going to be one of the greats. I want to be um they call me um. Uh, float like a float like a butterfly, sing like AB, all the stuff Antonio Brown be saying. <laughs> but Antonio Brown, um, like you said, they want they want volunteers and not hostages. And uh, I don't know why they signed Antonio Brown because um, Antonio Brown is a guy who seems like he's hell bent on doing things his way, and John Gruden is a guy that is is the exact same way. You're, you're talking about a guy in John Gruden. Day one, his first order of operations, he said, "I'm trading for Mill. I'm trading for Lil Mac." What a guy that does that! He is telling you right away, "I do what I want to do." So why would you send in another guy that he's going to do what he wants to do as well? He's not necessarily going to abide by all of your rules. Why are you going to sign that guy? I don't know. Or why would you give up assets? I know he was on for Antonio Brown a good defense. They got Antonio Brown on the cheap. He they got him for a third in the first round. That's not necessarily a big haul to give away, but I still don't know if this is a good fit as far as personality wise. Well, hey, thank you. I love your perspective. That was a that was a great uh that was a great layout. My goodness. You don't fire my man. Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, what's your perspective? I know you've been in Hawaii, so you, you probably heard it all the way over there. I heard it. Maybe, maybe I heard it all. That. And see, that's not going AD. AD is, he, he's becoming a prima donna, man. And the problem is, is that he hasn't played a down for the Raiders. Okay? Then he wants to sit out because of his damn helmet? Are you serious? This, was, this is what his beef was. Okay? And he wanted to play with an old helmet. That the, if the NFL said, no, we could get something better. Well, I'm sitting out. Come on, man. The helmet. That's as bad as Al Robinson. We're talking about practice. We're talking about your helmet. Are you serious with this? This is this this is what he would, again, he really is full of himself. It's going to be interesting to see how him and uh, John Gruden coexist this year, okay, because they're expecting a lot out of him. All right. In fact, Carr's career could hinge on how well A.B. plays, truly, because Amari Cooper is gone. All right. Khalil Mack is gone. Okay. And there was rumors that they were talking about taking Kyler Murray, all right, in the draft. So 
uh, Carr's career really with the Raiders really depends upon how how well this cat plays, and we already know that he has a hard time getting along with quarterbacks that that's good, much less ones that that that, that has the potential to be good. So, you know, he's going to be he's going to be an interesting uh, individual all season. Kids, stay tuned. Stay tuned, and we'll get back on this. And we talked about this topic last week, but we wanted to really um, get into it with uh, Hank because he wasn't with us last week. I'll start with this. This man said, "I'm going to get, I'm going to make you pay for what you did to the cold crush." That's Mr. Sean Carter, known as Jay Z. Put the deal together. He's like, "I want to move this to action." You got a lot of ripple happening with Kaepernick and, and Eric Reed and others. Still, uh, people comment out because they feel like Jay Z uh, uh, did cap wrong. A lot of stuff. A lot of chatter going out here. A lot of stuff. Um, and uh, it, you know, it's 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 a microcosm of what's failed around movement uh, in uh, disenfranchised communities because uh, folks fail to understand you have to have a multi-pronged approach to address these complex problems and stop making this stuff about individuals. Individuals create the opportunity for the opposition to manipulate you if it's just about one person. If it's multi-pronged, the thing is bigger than everybody, then it allows for us to come at an issue in, in, in multiple directions in order to, uh, uh, to come up with creative solutions to solve it. That's my initial statement. But I'm going to say I said enough. I just want to hear what Hank had to say about this. I know you probably heard it again while you were on the beach. You got there uh, uh, in the luau. You was doing whatever you was doing, hanging, hanging with the good folks out there, the good folks out there uh, 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 in Hawaii. What what was going on, man? What what uh, what do you think is, is happening here? What's what's your perspective? As I as I as well, you I, know, when uh, I first heard it, I, huh? when I first heard it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I didn't yeah. even think about the the Kaepernick piece right off. Okay, I thought about okay, that's interesting. Jay Z is now, you know, partnering with the NFL. You know, and, and what you know about Jay Z. You know, whatever you think about his music, the, the the young man has proven to be a brilliant businessman, okay, a brilliant marketer and whatever he's doing. And it seems like everything he touches turns to gold. So, you know, I thought that was to be an interesting take. And then when I heard the, the Colin Kaepernick piece, I felt like, oh, Jay-Z done put me down, okay, because now he's siding with the NFL, and he's one of those cats that, you know, I should be out here to try to really thwart some of this injustices. I had to think about that a minute. You know, I had to think about that a minute. It was like, okay, hold on, hold on. That that he he kind of got a point there, all right, because uh, Kaepernick kind of put his neck out there, you know, for for a cause, and yet Steels and other 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 players, um, you know, try to take up the cause. But this young man has been blackballed. For the NFL, for no other reason. You know, you got some of the worst backup uh, quarterback situations in the NFL right now, yet Colin Kaepernick can't get a job. And yet then you see Jay-Z, who can do a lot with his platform, especially when you start talking about what he can do in regards to uh, um, protest, you know, which we know the NBA is very good at, and, 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 and do something on that on that term. So, the one thing I had to ask myself when I when I thought about it on that term is, okay, now are you getting paid, or what are you going to do with this platform? 
because it would be interesting to see if there is a state-tuned approach and somewhere down the line you get a Kaepernick to be reinstated. But I think that that is a, I think that is a big a big piece. I don't think a lot of people thought about that when they first started him being with it. I didn't until Kaepernick and, the, and and his supporters, you know, came out and said that Jay Z Jay Z to kind of put us down because he's supposed to kind of help stop some of this this foolishness that's going on so a brother like that can get back into the league. So I think that, you know, it, it, it's one I want to watch. I know that, that, that Jay-Z is going to make his money because everything he touches makes money. But the Kaepernick piece is is that's that's just not a thorn that's going to go away. That's going to be out there. It's going to be interesting how he how he manages that. Yeah, and I, and I think it, what's interesting about this is, first of all, this is the same cat who got the campaign going, got Meek Mills out of jail, got him off probation, got him set up. This is the same cat that uh, bailed out uh, uh, a lot of these protesters uh, when, 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 when things were happening and breaking out. This is the same cat that, like, like there is part of the strategy is there's a benefit of the doubt in it. And who says who owns the solution? That's the part I don't understand. Who owns so there's ownership on the solution? Mm-hmm. Like somebody owns the solution, and and you had Kaepernick three or four weeks ago uh, uh, on on uh, Instagram or, or whatever talking about he's ready, so he he's about to take a check himself. And Eric Reed is taking checks every time I watch Eric Reed do an interview, standing for the NFL locker, taking checks, talking all this junk. If if, if it matters that much, don't take the check. It's not about getting a check. Okay, Colin Kaepernick is an NFL quarterback, okay? He took a stand. It had nothing to do with the NFL. He took a stand on police brutality, and he got blackballed by the league, okay, for taking a stand for exercising his First Amendment right. That's what people need to understand. Now, everything else that go along with that is, is ludicrous, okay? How people flip. We, we had that conversation. We don't have enough time on this show uh, to talk about how that narrative got flipped. That being said, though, there's no excuse. There's no excuse, okay, at this stage for him not to at least be on somebody's roster and, and, and trying out. Okay, so you got other guys. Like you said, you say all the things that, that, that Jay-Z did with Meek Mill and all those other guys. Okay, dude, say something about that. Don't just get your pockets lined, okay, because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. The NF, the NBA, we talk about it all the time on this show. How how well the NBA and the N, and, and and the WNBA embraces protest. Yeah, but the point, the point okay. people miss, the point people miss is when you play in the same angle most these cats play it. It's just about social justice. It's also about economic justice. Part of the issue, even when we look at the police brutality issue, is most of these places are governed by uh, police and fire commissions. There's organizations over. Most of those organizations are staffed or or are staffed by business people. There's an economic justice component to this that we all miss when we talk to social justice teams. JD has always been about economic justice. He has always been the one person that has understood that this, these solutions are not just social justice solutions. And the other thing about this, that's the part I want to make clear about this, there have been several owners who wanted to come get Kaepernick. What people haven't thought about is this also gives them the clearance to do that. If I was in Baltimore, I talked to uh, 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 John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh wants to get Kaepernick, but somebody spoke up. They started calling him, calling uh, 
Ray Lewis, uh, Uncle Tom, as they were working behind the scenes trying to give him a job. Right. And, and, and nobody criticizes that. He would have been on a team. And so, and so now you have to have, there has to be a moment that allows for somebody to say, when they do it, people get the criticism, look, we're at a point, we partner with Rock Nation, it's time to move on. This is the person that we can have on our team we think can help us win. He is, he is easily wanted. You give somebody, if, if you have an owner who wants to do it, he has the ability to do that now in a way because he has a way in which it's been shifted. It, there's a moment that's shifted the conversation that allows any owner at this point to go and, and bring Kaepernick on in a way that allows him to pivot, that we've changed our direction in a way they couldn't so do before. So you're saying that with, with Z's involvement, that that will help the owners be able to change their perspective and get him in. That gives that gives that gives people uh, the kind of cover that has already been shifted by the league, and to shift the okay. conversation so they don't have to be in these conversations every day. So right. if they want to bring him on, they can come on and say, "Look, as a league, we decide we we are moving in a different direction as relates to these issues. So that's just a non-issue. Kaepernick can play, and we 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 partner with Rock Nation and others." As, as as a league, we are moving in a different direction. This is a young man that deserves a play. You can say that now. We'll you can say that now. You couldn't say that weeks ago. So there we'll is. There, we'll a, we'll, we'll a, see a, if that if that kind of impact but comes because it should come right away. We should be able to see that right away. We should see something impactful right away. Change don't just come from the outside, people. Change you got to get in side in change too. Change don't just come from the outside. You just can't put pressure. You got to get in the boardroom and, and move it. Who no, I that? absolutely agree with you there. I, I absolutely agree with you there. That's, 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 that's a valid point. But what I'm saying is, is right. that that being the case, okay, then because you are talking about a, a a very talented quarterback that's been sitting on the sidelines, we should we you should with with this thing with Jay Z, you should see something pretty fast because the league's backup quarterback situation is garbage. It should be, but but I'm saying you're not going to get to his only way of doing it is that you have to have a moment that shifts the dialogue. You have to have something like this that is a clear line of demarcation that we are moving in a different direction for that for you to create the atmosphere for that to happen. It's not going to happen any other way. Right. And if people don't understand that, then we are not we're not sophisticated enough to be doing this work. Stop talking. <laughs> All right, let me move on. Let me move on. And if you want to catch me, catch me on Twitter. If you think that I'll talk to me on this and get this, I'm good at this. I know this stuff. I do this every day. This is what I live. I don't. I don't just pretend this. I live this every day. For folks, if you think if you think you got this, come see me. All right, I've said enough on these issues. We're gonna move into our preview. We're gonna move into Cypher. And, and Hank, thank you for your perspective, man, on this. You always. That's that's what I that's what I love about you, man. You you you, uh, you, you always uh, get me going in the right direction. So I appreciate. It. I knew I'm glad we came back with this. But we got to move to the side. Well, you know, you know I, I got a little bit of book learning. I understand that. You know that that that, you know, that Broncos the Broncos taught you something. They taught you something over there. Heck yeah, yeah. I started drinking from a keg. <laughs> All right, y'all know we got to go. Here we go, y'all. Call, call the call, call the call, call the 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 call
All right, we're going to hit up in this cipher. You know what it's all about. We've been, for the for the uh, past, uh, except for last week, we've uh, been going through each division, trying to uh, understand what's going on in these divisions, contextualize them, figure out what we, who we think is going to win the division, the playoff team, you know, who do we think is going to be a standout player in the division, like the most important player, uh, team that's going to overperform, underperform, um, we've been kind of doing this. And so if you want to get a sense of some of the previous ones we've done, go to realsportsguys.com, click on the podcast tab, and you can get a sense of what we've done up until this point. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the NFC uh, uh, South, uh, and then NFC North uh, is going to be part of our, our preview today. And so that makes sense. I've been waiting for this day, so there's going to be a lot of chatter today. So we're going to get quickly into this. We're going to start out with the NFC South. Uh, that's Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. Uh, when we look at the power rankings for these teams in this division, Indianapolis is, the, uh, according to the uh, ESPN power rankings, Indianapolis is the fifth-highest-ranked team uh, in terms of the power rankings. Houston is the eighth-highest-ranked team. Tennessee is the 13th-highest-ranked team. Jacksonville is the 18th-highest-ranked team. If you think from a divisional standpoint, uh, this one division is probably, when you think about all four teams are ranked in the top 20 of the power rankings, which tells you, like, this is a division with a lot of volatility chances and swings and, uh, uh, you know, interesting dynamics in, in, um, in terms of what can happen uh, and teams that have a, a, a lot going on uh, as it re- relates to these teams. When you, when you think about the storylines for this division, Andrew Ruck is, is, is the storyline we've all been hearing. What's happening with his health? Um, he's had health issues. Uh, 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 going back, you know, will he realize his potential and, and get the coach in the Super Bowl? They, they, they uh, brought in Wright to, to be the coach. Um, they upgraded the defense uh, that people feel like a championship style defense. Um, they, they've done incredible work uh, to get there, and a lot of people are talking about them being able to make a run in the Super Bowl. Their projected win um, is 92, 9.2 wins uh, over or under. Um, and uh, they have a 57.9% chance of making the playoffs. And then you have Houston. You know, this is a team that um, for a long time has been reliant on that defense led by J.J. Watt with an offense you hope can give them enough firepower to get over the top. But that defense has also been riddled. J.J. Watt injured him several times. Linebackers injured um, at these uncanny injuries that, that hurt their defense and, and, and things on offense. Uh, but then Deshaun Watson comes on the scene for them, and he's been a breath of fresh air. But this is a guy that's been sacked, uh, I think, 62 times uh, last year. So their offensive line is something that has to be uh, beefed up with them. Uh, so they they went out in the first round, uh, I believe that first pick, 23rd, 23rd uh, overall pick. They got uh, Titus Howard out of Alabama State. Um, and then they got uh, uh, Max Sharpley, um, uh out of uh, uh, Northern Illinois University. Uh, and then um, they got Matt Khalil uh, uh, coming back. And so they did some things to address their offensive line to give him some protection. Um, and then they got Duke Johnson in the trade. So this is a team is, is shifting, uh, but part of it is does Deshaun Watson, uh, who uh, had an incredible year, I think he's the only quarterback to throw for uh, 4,000 yards and, and run for 500 yards uh, in a season, you know, is it time for him to take over? And then in Tennessee, Time for, it's time for Marcus to put up a setup, I think, right now. Someone who I really like, I think this is a, you know, we talk from a human being standpoint, he's great, but this is game is about winning and losses. 
And, you know, we, 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 we talked about the guy who, who probably was linked to him forever um, uh, 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 in terms of being drafted uh, uh, with, with uh, Jameis Winston and him. You know, Jameis is on the hot seat, and I think he's on the hot seat because they need him uh, to really get them over, over, over the top. And we got to see if he's going to be able to, 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 to do his thing. And then in Jacksonville, this is a team that's been all about the defense. Jalen Ramsey, you know, chattering and everything else. But what killed them was, well, they all blame it on Blake Bortles, but we'll see. Blake is out of town. You can't blame, blame on Blake. Now you got you got a new quarterback coming in, Nick Foles. And, uh, you know, Nick, who's uh, who, Super Bowl MVP, um, you know, um, had his opportunity uh, to, to lead Philadelphia to a Super Bowl. You know, now he has really his own team. He's not the backup quarterback. He's the starting quarterback. And it's been mixed history with the people who have gone from backup star to to now being the person who now you got to be a full-time star. You're not coming off the bench. You are the guy, and from, from beginning to end, can you lead? So so that's the AFC North is kind of quick synopsis of it. And so our first question we ask when we're looking at these, these, these divisions is who do we think is the most important player uh, to his team in the division? And so I'll start with you, Hank. In, in the AFC North, or AFC South, excuse me, who is the most important player in, 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 in this division? You know what? Um, I'm going to let you or Darnell pick uh, Deshaun Watson because I know that's what y'all going to do. I'm going to go ahead and pick um, Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck, this was a 10-win team last year. Uh, I think that uh, they've tried to do all they can to pattern uh, their offense around what he does and what he does best. Uh, his health, you're absolutely right, his health is really what's, is what's the make and break of the Indianapolis Colts. And if he can stay healthy, uh, they've got they've got they've got big tight ends. They've got big receivers over there to help him. Um, they are the prohibitive favorites to win that division. But it all really does depend upon his health and where he goes. So it's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be Andrew Luck. All right, you say Andrew Luck. I'm gonna surprise you. All right, go ahead, Darnell. Who do you think is the most important? Well, I'm picking huh? Nick Foles because I'm picking Nick Foles because I watched the first five or six games in the Jaguars last year because um, I was expecting them to have a pretty good season because of especially all coming off the playoff run they had the year before. But um, needless to say, the defense was on the field the entire game, and they just couldn't move the chains. Um, uh, I know Blake Bortles was god awful last season, but um, I have to go to his defense because it, it it can't all be on Nick. It can't all be on Blake Bortles. Their offensive line was not very good. Um, Leonard Fournette was injured a lot, and they, we they had injuries as well to the receiving core. Marquise Lee was not available, so um, now that they're running it back, you have a, a veteran quarterback that has proven that he can play. You have, you have um, the offensive line has more experience, you know what I'm saying? Marquise Lee is coming back. Um, I forgot who they drafted. Oh, they drafted Josh Allen. Um, I think they added another receiver. I forgot who it is, but Nick Foles. Um, I know it's not just Nick Foles, but um, Nick Foles is going to be my most important player because that offense has to be able to produce 
in order for Jacksonville to be successful. And Jacksonville is a team that has potential to be successful because they have one of the best defenses in the league. Like even last year, they're they're top. They were um, the number three team in pass defense, even though they were on the field the entire game. Like they're um, they can be a top. They have the potential to be a top three, even the number one defense in the league this year. So um, if they can get production from Nick Foles, I believe um, they can make a playoff run. But that all hinges on the offense and, most importantly, Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I think um, – so I, <laughs> it's funny because I said this is the first time I did it, so we've been doing it. I had two players – Andrew Luck and Nick Foles for both the reasons that you talked about. It, it, I felt strongly about putting them out there for different reasons. I, I would say Jacksonville, if they can um, uh, uh, defensively, I think they're going to be back to being incredible. And they have a championship level defense. If they get an offense that can produce anything, if they get an offense that could be in the top half of the league, they're going to be a problem for most teams. Uh, because that means that defense can just kind of uh, pin his ears back. Uh, you got Allen, addition to the uh, to the defense, a young guy that can get get after people. Um, and, and now you have off second move. Huh? No, no, exactly. that's, that's absolutely ridiculous because they they were able to add Josh Allen to that yeah. defense. Josh Allen is a great player coming off the edge. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and so Nick Foles just uh, has to be productive. He doesn't have to be overwhelmed. And I think, he, you know, one thing about him, he's good in really uh, clutch moments. And so part of it is, you know, can you, be, can you be okay sitting in the first seat? I think he's going to be much more productive than they have with Blake Bortles. Uh, so that's it. And I think Andrew Luck, I mean, they're, 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 they're a team that can make a run to the Super Bowl, but they can't. If Andrew Luck is not playing, they have no chance. And I, I know, uh, you know, uh, people have, uh, you know, tried to, 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 to you know, talk about uh, the fact that you know they have a backup who's played and done all this, but at the end of the day, you know, Bichette uh, 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 or whatever is, is, can, can be there, but that's not going to get you to a Super Bowl. That'll get you maybe nine wins, but that don't get you to a Super Bowl. Andrew Luck, if he's playing at a high level, can get you to the Super Bowl. So I mean, those two teams, for the same reasons, I, I put both those guys out there are equally important. And I, I don't really do that. I really do that, but I just felt compelled to put a vote uh, out there as, as a tie for me. Uh, player uh, who you think will have a breakout season? Uh, uh, let me go to Darnell. Who do you think will have a breakout season in the uh, AFC uh, South? Well, I'll briefly talk about Josh Allen. Oh, my. Josh Allen, with this secondary that he's playing with, with Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye, is great. He's going to be able to pin his ears back and absolutely have a field day rushing the passer, especially with him being alongside um, Calais Campbell on the inside. Man, and Yannick and Blackwell on the other side. Man, this dude, Josh Allen, gonna, he's going to act a fool this season, man. He, probably, he might be defensive rookie of the year. He might, he's going to have a lot of sacks. And he's gonna he's gonna be a part in my in my belief he's gonna be a part of probably a playoff run if everything goes right and he's gonna be able to showcase his talent to the playoffs so I think he's gonna break out and become a name. 
All right, Josh Allen. I mean, you know what? You can't. You can't. When you can just freely roam the way that cat, he's gonna be able to do with that 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 experience defense. I mean, that's one that, that, can, that you can't argue with the possibility of him having a breakout. Yep. Hey, who do you have as a breakout player? You know, it, it, again, it, it, it would be easy to look at a JJ Watt or somebody who was hurt, but I'm going in a different direction. I believe I'm going back to Indianapolis Colts, and because of uh, the type of uh, quarterback that Andrew Luck is, I'm picking Devin Funches. Devin Funches was picked up uh, as a wide receiver. He's a big receiver for a uh, um, Andrew Luck. I, I, I go back to the days when he was at Stanford when he had his big tight end, Kobe, Cody Fleener, who actually had gotten drafted by the Colts when he was there. And that's, that was always a great outlet for him. And Fleener, uh, that helped Fleener get drafted into the NFL. Um, Funches is a veteran now. Uh, got good hands, got good size. He used to be a tight end at Michigan, and now he's been playing a wide receiver coming from Carolina. And I think he's going to have a big year simply because he's going to help bail out uh, Andrew Luck. I knew you were going to try to go make some kind of Michigan connection. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have fun. And he's a kid because they couldn't give him the ball, man. I'm like, in the, in the red zone, just throw it up, man. I could be Right, right. But, you know. He, you know, he got size, so that, that's an interesting pick. I'm going to Deshaun Watson. They have gone to put the line around him. He's he's ultimate to the Pro Bowl last year. I like Deshaun since he was in Clemson. When, when he was in the draft and all these people were talking about all these other quarterbacks, and I'm like, Deshaun Watson proved his worth against Alabama twice. And, uh, and he did his thing, and he has not disappointed us out of the league, but I don't think he's had the kind of offensive line around him to give him time. He's a guy who's willing to play from the, the pocket. He's a winner. Um, and if he can play, you know, Susan's going to have those injuries, but if he can play and stay healthy on the offensive side, if, you know, J.J. Watt is down or whatever, he can carry him on some games. He can do some things. So I think Deshaun, because they've invested in that offensive line, I mean, he got sacked at least a few times. If they can just get that down, cut it in half um, and allow him some time. Um, I think he could be. He just he had four thousand yards and five hundred four thousand yards passing and five hundred yards rushing with all that kind of stuff. So I think if they should give him time with some of the pieces they've added around him uh, offensively, and, and, and I, what I think they'll also be able to do with the running game, which will allow him to be a little bit more explosive in the passing game. You know, I think Deshaun uh, Deshaun is going to be uh, have a breakout season this year. All right. Uh, the team that you think will underperform expectations. I'll go first with this one. I think India, because they are so dependent on Andrew Luck, and we don't know what we're going to see. And they have uh, 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 they, they they have Burchett uh, 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 to, to back him up, but uh, I just. I just think that given what can happen with some of these other teams we talked about, um, I think I think this division is going to be tough. And, um, you know, I think most people are projecting, um, even though here I think we had Indy uh, uh, probably getting like nine wins, I want to say. Uh, but I think most people are looking at Indy getting like 11 wins, if you really put them uh, on this stuff. Um, and I just think that they – if Andrew don't come out a good start, I think they – you know, they, they could be 8-8. Eight eight. They could be – I think they are the most fragile team because they rely so much 
on Andrew Luck. So that that's a team that I think can can underperform expectations uh, this year. All right, I'm gonna go to Hank. Who do you think? I think it's gonna be Tennessee, and I think it's because it's, it, and it's the Mariota factor. Okay, I I just think that you know he's he's got to learn how to play professional football. All right, he still wants to get up out that pocket and do some running. Uh, he's got him a powerful back in uh, Derrick Henry. He needs to utilize him more. He needs to use him a little bit more out of the backfield, teach that young man how to catch. But the problem is, as you said, you got a tough division. You got you got a tough division that you're playing in. Okay, and if you get hurt now, you now you're behind the eight ball. Okay, and I know that the their the coach uh, Mike Brable, uh, you know, another one of those Patriots disciples. You know, wants him to play that way, stay in the pocket and throw the football around. So, but if he, to me, I think he's going to be hard headed to that, and it's going to cost him some games. So, to that reason, I know they've got they've got him at seven point nine wins. I think they probably go on to seven, maybe a six and ten team. Yeah, I mean that. You know, he is. And part of it is he's got to find a way. To bring his personality, he's got to find a way to take charge. And mm-hmm. um, you know, someone was uh, 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 who was it? I don't know who was it. Who was it? Who was the offensive coordinator that is now head coach? I guess said that you know it was hard to refer uh, before was an uh, offensive coordinator. It was hard to um, get him because he doesn't communicate. It was hard to understand what plays he didn't like. Right, because he the way his communication pattern, he just I don't think he was looking to he doesn't really want to disappoint people and I think his mindset he's gonna try and make whatever work. Right? Mm-hmm. But somehow at this point in his career, he's gotta take more control of the offense and, 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 and be more involved in the game plan to get what he needs to be the kind of quarterback he needs. I don't think he needs to be um uh a um Aaron Rodgers type personality, but he has to find a way to make sure they don't build game plans that he's not pleased with. And I think mm-hmm. he just takes what they got. It's a cultural dynamic, but I think he just accepts what happened. He tries to make figure out how to make it work. And I think to be a quarterback in this league, at a certain point, you've been around the block a couple of times. You got to say these are the ten plays you got to have in that I want, given what we got for him to be successful. I don't think he does that, and. Somehow, if he's going to get to his greatest, I think he has all the skills in the world. If that part of his his growth, somebody has to bring that out of him for him to customize and get what he needs to make the best play, rather than just figuring out how to do whatever they give it. And I think he gets too much into that realm because of I think his orientation and how he came into football, who he is, and in in, in just how how he was raised. I think he just that's how he approaches the game. And I think that hurts him at the NFL level in a way because right. I think he ends up trying to make bad plays that he probably instinctively thinks knows are bad work just because he's doing that out of respect. He's not trying to – the first that it was hard to, to to figure out which ones work for him or not because he, he would never really communicate to them which ones they should just throw out of game play he didn't want to run. And you've got to be able to do that as a quarterback. You've got to just say, I don't like this stuff, but I like this. And somehow he's got to find his voice. So I think exactly. you, I think you got a I think your I think your assessment is 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 right on, uh, Darnell. 
you know, this is crazy because I just said so many great things about this team, but there's a big possibility that um, Jacksonville could underachieve this season just for the reasons I said about Nick Foles because um, we saw what Nick Foles did when he, uh, when he was a member of the St. Louis Rams when he wasn't with the Philadelphia Eagles. He struggled. Right. So if he's not able to play up to par and the Jaguars can't get um, – they can't move the sticks, they can't move the chains, they can't throw points on the board, and they're going to be in trouble. I don't care how good the defense is. If he can't score points, then you can't win football games. It's just that simple. But um, they're going to be a candidate for a team that can, uh, that can uh, under underachieve and underperform this season. Yeah, I think this this as I talked about the rankings, how this like all forty teams are in the top twenty, but they're not. None of them, I think, for the most part, are in the top ten, right? Uh, something like that. So they're all in that range. Oh uh, yeah, Houston and the Colts out there, but like they all have like these flaws that could, they could be at twelve and four. <laughs> like you could see them either being twelve and four right. or eighteen, or you could be surprised if they were seven and nine, right? You would be surprised either way if you would understand why those things are happening with all these things, which is crazy. You know, you can make a case. You, even Tennessee, you can see why they were 12 and 4 because Mariota has grown and figured out this is how I want to do it, and, and his voice is born in there. So the offense is clicking, and the defense of Tennessee is good. So you can see them, they play a lot of close games. So you can even see them getting 11 wins if it all lined up the right way. So I think you, you're making a good. Uh, uh, I mean, I can see why you ended up where you ended up. Who do you think will overperform? Uh, I'll go with uh, Darnell. Who do you think is going to overperform the expectations? The team you just said, the Tennessee Titans. I think um, they have a lot of dogs on the team. Well, you said they're, a lot of, they're in a lot of close games, but their team is going to fight. They um, they have guys like Terry Lewan, as for um, a Michigan reference, as Hank would do. But uh, – <laughs> They got a guy like Terry Lewan, you got Derrick Henry, you got Marcus Mariota, you got guys in defensive end like Kevin Byard, um, Jarrell Casey. You have a lot of players in there. Like, um, they're a very underrated football team that not a lot of guys think about. But I think Tennessee can be a team that people are overlooking and can, uh, and can surprise a lot of guys. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, I mean, that, you know, you you got to see whether or not the Belichick disciple is going to get it. And um, and if he does get it, you know, all the things you said is, you know, uh, where they where they can go with it. Uh, my, my team, my guy, and I'm going to go the other way with you, is Jacksonville. Um, you know, I think they um, um, uh, their defense is going to be extremely good. And even on borders, I said, well, if you can just get 20 20- Four points for this team, they're gonna be, you're gonna, they're gonna kill people because that you don't have to be high scoring, but you gotta you gotta move the chain. And I think Nick Foles will do that. The, the one thing I think might be different, and we didn't, we we talked a little bit about this person is I think they're running game. I think Leonard Fournette, and I think I think Nick Foles because he's enough of a threat passer, creates mm-hmm. uh, healthy opportunities for Leonard Fournette. I think part of Leonard Fournette's problem was. You can't outrun nine people in the box <laughs> at any level. And, and, and he was getting 
yards with with everybody and their mother standing in the hole. Whereas I don't think teams will be able to get away with that with Nick Paul, which I think will give him a little bit more breathing room. Will also I think extend him a little bit more this season because he's not playing a game with just about everybody and their mother up within five yards of the line of scrimmage. But they just don't respect the quarterback. And I think that running game going and that play action, which Nick Foles is great off play action, I think um, makes their offense a little bit more explosive and will be the difference because they will have a dominant running game because you just can't put that many in the box because Nick Foles is a good enough passer to make you pay. And so I think I, I think Jacksonville is going to uh, outperform uh, expectations. That means you're going to hear a lot of Jalen Rams. And I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> but but we'll figure that out later. All right, final standing. All right, uh, Hank, who do you got final standing? Well, since you, since you skipped me and who I thought was going to overperform, I'm going to pick Jacksonville anyway. No, but, no, no, uh, no, no, go ahead. I, I, I thought I got that because I thought you were going to pick Michigan. But that's all right. Uh, go ahead. Who, who, Michigan. Who, who, who you going to pick? <laughs> you guys going to pick me? Oh, Lord, have mercy. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, here is my final standing. I, I truly believe that the Colts are going to win the division again. Okay, but I, but, I believe that, but I believe that Jacksonville is going to come up very close, and I think Jacksonville is a playoff team. I think that defense is the truth. You you know, we we even mentioned Miles, Jack, Josh Allen. My God. You know that that I was watching a little bit tonight. They're playing uh, Miami, uh, and that defense is the truth. And now you got Nick Foles yeah. trying to figure out a way to get the ball to uh, 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 D.D. Westbrook. And you know, and then, yeah, no, by the way, uh, Leonard Fournette now gets a chance to 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 run the football, maybe through some lanes instead of because you got a quarterback, as you said, D. That's more of a passing threat. That team, I, you know, I like to see when I see a team that was like a step away from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and now they go back to the same formula that almost got them there, and then they go and they try to fortify a position of weakness, um, which was the quarterback spot. You have to you have to pay very close attention to that. Everybody forget that we talk about Nick Foles, but Nick Foles came from what he was to a Super Bowl MVP, and now he's playing with one probably arguably one of the better defenses in the AFC. So I expect that team to go into the playoffs, followed uh, then by the Texans. And uh, the Texans, again, I have to give them an incomplete because I don't know what kind of J.J. Watt we're going to get, and I don't know what kind of Deshaun Watson we're going to know. Deshaun, we know what his what his skill set is, but his health, okay? He blew out his knee. He hadn't been hurt before. Does he come back strong? What do we see? And then we round it out with the Tennessee Titans. All right. And I apologize. You, you were able to weave those, that point four and point five into your answer. That's why you're a pro coming out of the Bronco land uh, of Western Michigan <laughs> journalism, communication. You know how to make it happen. All right. We go to the youngest. Who do you have? What's your, what's your, what's your, uh, all right. So my, uh, my first team, I'm going to say it's Indianapolis Colts. I love this team. I love this team, what they can bring to the table. They're off the line the way they really revamped it going into last season with the um, drafting of Quentin Nelson. I think he really um, added a new element to their offense. You also have a running back in Marlon Mack, which is very – he's very underrated. 
a lot of guys are not talking about him. He's a guy, he's not going to overwhelm you with his speed or his power or his physical attributes, but he has great vision. He can re- he he can he's very good at reading holes and getting it, getting himself into the right spot. He can play behind his pads, and he really sets up the play action for Andrew Luck, which is a guy who's a very high IQ quarterback. He's a guy that can um, take advantage of those situations, take advantage of the line, which earlier in his career he had a very poor offensive line that had led to a lot of his injuries earlier in his career. And on top of that, you have receipt. You have um, T.Y. Hilton. You a guy you can move to the outside, to the slot. He can move all over the place. And he can run routes. He can run the whole route tree. He's very shifty, very fast. Um, he's a good target. He's uh, going to be his – he's going to be Andrew Luck's first um, – his first target. He's gonna, he looks to him all the time. And um, on defense, you have the defensive rookie of the year, I think, and uh, Darius Leonard. He was a – he was a um, – a pro bowler, and he wasn't the ultimate pro bowler. He was a straight-up pro bowler that was drafted in his rookie year. I don't know. I think he went to, like, South Carolina State or some, like, um, unknown school, came out of nowhere, balled out. He can play. Um, their secondary isn't necessarily great, but they um, they all play their roles in that um, cover two defense. But um, with Darius Leonard in the middle, He's going to be. He's going to continue to progress, and he is going to control the defensive side of the ball. But their offense um, is something that I um, like a lot. So um, they're going to be my number one team. That's my number two team. Uh, I'm, I'm fighting myself because I'm fighting between Jacksonville and Tennessee, and um, that was going to be a toss-up. Um, I might go. Hey, you. This might be shoot, man. You might get Jacksonville at two, maybe Tennessee at three, and um, Houston is gonna be my fourth seed. Yeah, I'm wow. Yeah, I broke it down. And and this is the first time I've done it. And I went back and looked, and I switched uh, who I thought was gonna win. And initially, I, I was gonna put Houston out here, but. When I look at, if you take a look at Houston's opening schedule, this is Vegas. They're at New Orleans on Monday night. They play Jacksonville at home. They're at the Chargers. They play Carolina. They play Atlanta. They're at Kansas City. They're at Indianapolis. They play Oakland at home. Then they play Jacksonville in London. Then they have a box. They come back. They're at Baltimore. They play Indianapolis mm-hmm. on Thursday night. They play New England. Then they're playing Denver. They're at Tennessee. At That's a brutal schedule for Houston. Coach might get fired. That's a murderer's row. <laughs> That's a murderer's row. I went back and looked at that. I'm like, I'm about to put them last. I mean, I think the child Washington could show out, but they can lose every one of those games. Or if they win those games, they might win the Super Bowl. They beat these teams, they go on the Super Bowl. So I got Indy, Jacksonville. I think they're going to battle. It's going to be Houston and Tennessee. That's close either way. I mean, those those two teams, Houston and Tennessee, that could be flip-flop. Um, I, think, I think all these teams are going to be hovering around at least eight wins at somewhere. Uh, but one might be at the 12 or 11 wins. 
Because I think they're going to beat it. They're, these are going to be heavyweight fights. They're going to take some. They're going to win some. They're going to lose some. So that's where we're at. Well, let's jump this. We're going to push this thing fast because we, we got to get moving uh, on this. It, we might extend ourselves uh, into a, 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 a little bit later time, but I'm, I'm going to bump this thing up uh, for our peoples a little bit so that they can stay with us a little bit as we can work through this. We're going to transition right now to the AFC board. I've been waiting for this one. I'm not going to spend too much time on the overview other than quickly saying where these teams are ranked uh, in the power rankings based on ESPN. Cleveland is at 15, uh, projected 8.8 wins, 51.5% uh, uh, chance of making the playoffs. Pittsburgh is at 16 in power rankings, 8.5 uh, over under, uh, with 45.8% uh, chance of making the playoffs. Baltimore is 17 in the power rankings, 8.5 over under in terms of wins, with a 44.9% chance of making the playoffs. And then Cincinnati Bengals uh, projected at six wins over and under, uh, with a 7.8% chance of making the playoffs. Look, we don't need to spend too much time with storylines with this because these teams have probably been in the news more than any other team. So we're just going to jump right into this with the AFC North because uh, there's going to be a lot uh, going back and going back. Uh, uh, anyway, let's talk about most important players to their team in the division. Uh, let me start with you, Darnell. Who do you have as your uh, most important player to the team in the division? I'm struggling with this one. So, uh, most important player in the division, I'm going with your boy, Devin Bush, out of mm. uh, Michigan. The old Michigan mm. Warriors. No. But Devin Bush is a guy, um, he, he can play. He is a guy who can flow sideline to sideline. He is a tremendous athlete. And um, Pittsburgh, they have a very young defense. But um, he's going to be a guy that I believe he can transform them and take them to the next level with his um, abilities. So, um, and that's something that Pittsburgh definitely needs. Their offense has always been there. Yeah, you have um, – the replacement that that are that are still players. You don't have Le'Veon Bell anymore. You don't have Antonio Brown anymore. But you do have James Conner. You do have um, Juju Smith-Schuster, which are still very good players. So your offense is not going to be as good, but their offense still should be pretty formidable. But their defense does have to step up, and I believe Devin Bush is a guy that can do it for them. There you go. There you go. Hey, who do you have? I'm picking Andy Dalton. Let me tell you something. Because oh, the reason why I pick Andy Dalton is, is not because I think he uh, is, is you know, the, the the greatest thing in the league. I think that this is his. This, this is a make or break for him. He's the most important player on his team. If Dalton can't get it done, it's time for Cincinnati to start to shut it down and start to rebuild. Okay. Um, he's been over there forever. They've gotten rid of the coach that, that, that he, the only coach he's ever had in Cincinnati. And so now you've got Cleveland coming up. You've got Pittsburgh. You've got Baltimore. You know, Cleveland is expected to be a playoff team. Okay, where, where does that leave uh, the Bengals and Andy Dalton? So, you know, to me, you know, this, this, this is probably make or break for him. So, so that's why I pick him. All right. Um Mine is Lamar Jackson, um, and the reason why is uh, if Baltimore is going to do anything, Lamar's got to grow this year. 
you're talking about their offense. If he doesn't show any growth or they're not able to implement their scheme, they're dead in the water. Um, they are putting a lot in on uh, the way in which they're going to do it. And, and I have a feeling Lamar is going to to grow. He's going to have a jump in the second year. But they really their, – their room for error, if he doesn't do what he needs to do, is not very good in, in Baltimore. And so Lamar Jackson has got to be more consistent in the passing game. Um, uh, he's got to have much more of a balanced space. He can still run using feet, but um, he can't get out of arm, and we got to see his ability to continue to push the ball down the field. Um, they, they've given him weapons to, to, to do that. Um, and so I think Lamar Jackson, in terms of, you know, uh, this is a risk-reward type of scenario, the way they kind of set this thing up uh, with him with Flacco Legion. Um, and so he's got a – if he produces at a high level, he's going to get people problems. Because you know Baltimore going to have a scheme. They're retooling that defense. Um, you know, Harbaugh's going to have them ready to play. But if if, he, if they're able to really take advantage of him with the, how creative they are, with the way in which they do things in Baltimore, they could be a problem. So I think Lamar is, 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 is very important for them to have any success this year. Uh, player who uh, will have a breakout season. I guess I'll begin since I'll keep this rolling. Devin Bush, uh, I think, Young, and you hit it right on in terms of most important. I think coming out the gate, he's one of – I think we've named a, at least one or two rookies coming out the gate to be breaking right through the door. Um, the thing that the, the, the Steelers defense has needed, and particularly with the Shazier um, loss uh, because of his speed side to side, the thing about Shazier is that I think he really has to learn how to play middle linebacker. Devin Bush is a natural middle linebacker. Um, and, um, and if you have a chance to watch him the preseason, his sideline and sideline, what he changes and, and makes him – his impact of that defense is what the impact that Palomaro had when he came to the defense. They could do so much more when they had Palomaro. Uh, he allowed them to do a lot of different things. And so I think Devin Bush affords the defense. Uh, his ability to cover things down the middle, his ability to run with receivers gives them so much flexibility on the defense they've been waiting to have for – Ever since Palomaro's retirement, um, uh, they've been waiting to have. And, and that will allow their – I think it's been like a 70-30 relationship. I think if their defense can get this to 50-40, 50-50, where we're, we're feeling that steel curtain piece is coming back, also with all the chatter outside about what they can't do. Um, and Devin Bush is the kind of person who's got a chip on his shoulders. Uh, uh, I, think, I think he's going to come right out the game. I think he's a – he was a rookie uh, 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 year candidate. I think he's a, I think he's a defensive player of the year candidate. I think he's the kind of cat. He's a pro bowler out of it. I think he could be that kind of person coming out the gate to really push uh, for that. Uh, Hank. Defensive player of the year. I'm putting it out there. I'm, 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 I'm putting put it out there. I'm putting on my Lee Corso hat. Not so fast, my friend. I'm just putting it yeah. out there. I, I, it's my it's on tape. You, you yeah. can always come back to it. It's on tape. It's on wax. Mm-hmm. All right. Go my, on. My, my player's got to be Lamar Jackson, okay? I, and, and the reason why, because mm-hmm. Lamar, Lamar Jackson was good enough to have uh, Baltimore feel good enough to get rid of Joe Flacco, the, only the quarterback that won the Super Bowl for him. Um, but moreover, his development. I, I like the way uh, he, he's developing as a quarterback. And people fail to realize that when, the year he won the, the, the Heisman Trophy, he wasn't a great passer. 
he had a very strong arm. The next year he came up and became a better passer. Then he's gotten better every year. And I like the way that Harbaugh and the Ravens developed their quarterback. Uh, he's going to bring a dynamic to the offense that we haven't seen before out of the Ravens, you know. And so uh, I look for him to be that same dynamic, exciting player. And again, they made the playoffs last year um, uh, with him, and I just look for him to, to show more magic this year. All right, I love it. Uh, Youngin, who you got? I got I, – I don't know if I'm all in the room. I thought this would be the obvious answer, but uh, I have Baker Mayfield. The amount of weapons that he has on his, at his disposal right now, he has Odell Beckham Jr., he has Juice Landry, he has David Njoku, he has, he has uh, Nick Chubb. Um, by playoff time, he's going to have Kareem Hunt. I mean, this is embarrassment of riches that he has to, um, to play with. And he's a guy in Baker Mayfield, he feeds off of that. He really does. He's a guy that feeds off the attention. He's a he's a very vocal leader. He's a guy that's going to um, – they're going to be in the spotlight a lot because of uh, a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. And I think Baker Mayfield, he's going to feed off of that, and he's going to have – uh, breakout season, borderline MVP season, sort of like Patrick Mahomes had last season. Yeah, and, 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 and I, you know, and the only reason I didn't put him there because I felt like in some ways he had his breakout last year. And, and look, I was a Baker yeah. Mayfield person. You know me when they were drafting, I was going to argue like this. This is a no brainer. Uh, go check the tape. Um, and um, and I think I thought, I mean, he broke the what the rookie passing record or whatever it was. Yeah, so I, the reason why I didn't put him in, I just think he's a continue. Yeah, I think he already broke out. And he's just continuing that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think he might have an interesting sophomore season in a way that um, – because this is not basketball, right? <laughs> like, I mean, this is not basketball. That, I think people learn uh, 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 that the names on a roster don't mean anything in football. Uh, it, 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 it's a good start, but it's not basketball. You, you can make some – you know, you can add some people. You know, Paul George and those guys going to going to the Clipperland. Some things will happen. You can that thing can happen right at me. But football is a different kind of sport, and yeah. chemistry and different things. But 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 I but uh but I think all of that, that's the only reason I would put Baker there because I felt like he had a breakout last year, and and if things don't happen, it won't because he won't put numbers up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I still think you might be correct, even with some of the things I might say later on. Uh, uh, as we go in, the team that um, hey, the team you think will underperform expectations uh, this year? This gonna surprise you all, but I'm picking uh, the Cleveland Browns, and <laughs> the reason why is because of the other teams that we've talked about. You talked to Darnell said you got an embarrassment of talent, just, 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 it's just everywhere. However. You got to have a coach to be able to manage all of that, to be able to put that all in place. As far as I know, last time I saw, the Cleveland's head coach hasn't won anything. Okay, when we talk about Patrick Mahomes and what happened over there, Andy Reid had put that coach in the Super Bowl. Okay, you have these other experienced coaches on how to deal with these egos. This is this coach's first run. Okay, and now he's got egos like a Baker Mayfield. Now he's got an Odell Beckham Jr. over there. And now he's got, and later in the season, he's got to deal with Kareem Hunt and his issues. And he's got to have to keep that that thing going. Okay, I'm not convinced that he can do it. 
Plus, you got clues on the team that's been a perennial loser. Now the expectation has changed dramatically with these moves to become that 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 that, that, that Super Bowl contender in one year. I'm not, I'm not I'm not buying it. I, I, I can see it going more wrong than right. Yeah, and I and I go next since I'm probably I got the same team. I, I'll continue with that with Cleveland, and and you know their coach, I think like only uh, call plays. I think for the first time last year, like running a team is a whole totally different thing. That's what I said about exactly. Like, those getting that continuity and getting people to do in this day and age of of cats wanting to be on Twitter and be in the place and everything and manage that. Is impossible. The other problem with this, all that press, there are two coaches who know how to use that, and that's John Harbaugh and Mike Conley. Right? There is there there are two coaches who are not going to go down lightly. Like like these are two guys who are used to making the playoffs. And in Conley's case, Conley makes the playoffs almost every year he coached. Tomlin's record, people understand, as an active coach, the only person ahead of Tomlin is Belichick. And the next coach, when you look at it historically, is like 20 rows down. And Harbaugh's not a slouch either. And so some of this comes down to scheme, right, and things and setting people up. So I understand that uh, Cleveland will have success. They might need some shootouts. It'll be so protected. Like, you'll say, how did they lose that game? Right? They can shoot for 300 yards and a full touchdown, and they lost. Like, it'll be games like that that, that you'll you, you, you look at. And, 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 something, and how, does, how does the coach and everybody, particularly in those guys, manage this permanent? And I think it'll take them a year to get that right. The key is that the management have a long-term view of this. And I think if they manage it right, even if they don't meet expectations, this team will be good for a long time if they're patient, right? But they might. But their problem is they're in a division with at least two of these coaches with some players, and if they split over both those teams, you're already down from losses, not including some of the other teams you got to play. So that's why I think that uh, Cleveland might underperform expectations, and, but they'll play well every game. And, and be right there to the end. I mean, that, that's why I see Cleveland like with the idea that they could make a run next year. So that's kind of where I see that in Cleveland. What about you, uh, Donna? My team that can underperform Baltimore because um, yeah, last year right. they did a lot of options that people haven't really seen, like. Um, in a while, like people aren't really pre- people aren't really prepared to see the Ravens last year because they ran the ball almost exclusively, and um, they were a very physical football team, which is things that play that play very well. But um, they can be figured out just like um, other teams. Just like uh, remember when the Wildcat first came out. And um, defense has got to look at it, and they uh, were able to find the answer for it. Teams are going to scheme for um, the Ravens, just like the Chargers did in the playoffs, and um, they might be able to exploit it, and they probably will. So I think even though they did get Earl Thomas, which is going to be 
a pretty good, uh, pretty big uh, get for them. But I think the Ravens are a team that can possibly underachieve this year. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they got Boykin, they got uh, Marquise Brown with Hollywood, uh, uh, Justin Hill. They got speed. But can Lamar be accurate enough to make that play? And one thing that, you know, one thing about Hollywood, they'll see with some screens and stuff like to get the ball in these guys' hands so they can use their speed. But can you run a traditional offense where they can set the ball and run? You know, if he can, can, can keep the accuracy up to make that speed work, that might be really inconsistent in the way that you're talking about, where, again, they might be some tight battle games that they just might be losing because Lamar not quite there yet to make that play. He's a year away from doing it. And, so, and you, know, you get a couple of those losses on the wrong side, you know, now you're eight wins, seven wins, but you've been every game. You know what I'm saying? So I think you, you, you're making some, some uh, really good points uh, around it. This, yeah, this can be tough to do. Um, the, the teams that will uh, overperform expectations, uh, uh, going to you, uh, Donna. Overperform to it can overperform. Uh, the team that can overperform expectations, I'm probably going to go with your Pittsburgh Steelers because um, a lot of guys looking for this season saying, okay, they don't have uh, Le'Veon Bell. They don't have Antonio Brown, like I said earlier. But the players that are placing them, they are still good players. Like James Conner, he can play some football. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is also a guy that can, he's very um, formidable at, at his um, position. So I think they can uh, pick up the slack and do better than some people think. Yeah, I, I and since you said it, I um, uh, am, you know, going with uh, – the Steelers as well, you know, again, um, you know, they added, uh, you know, Mark Barron's on defense, um, you know, with Justin Lane. So, essentially, they they make some investments. They make these investments with, uh, with Watt and folks like this for uh, a few years. And so, now it's time for them to get some of the investments to mature on defense. But, obviously, we're talking about people like Washington. If you had a chance to watch him play in college, that kid is a hell of a receiver. And so, um and historically, the Steelers have, have found receivers um, as well in terms of uh, making that passing game uh, uh, work. And so, um, and I think they're highly motivated. So that's the team I think will always perform uh, at expectations and do it. But will that mean a long run in the playoffs? That's, that's yet to be seen. Uh, I, I, I won't leave my position in that yet. But I think uh, they've heard all the chatter. Uh, highly motivated locker room. Uh, they got a lot of volunteers in that locker room. No hostages. And uh, uh, they really let people know that. All right, Hank? I believe also that um, that Pittsburgh is going to be the most improved team. I just think they're going to be a better football team this year from last year. Uh, I think, again, we talked about Devin Bush. I think that you're going to have a highly motivated team. I think the distraction that Antonio Brown brought – uh, Juju Smith Schuster know that he's number one right now wide receiver. Uh, they did well in the running game, you know, even without Le'Veon Bell being there. I just think there was a lot of distractions with the Pittsburgh team last year, and I don't think they have that this year. And I think that they are going to be motivated. I think they are going to come out, and they're going to give teams fits. Uh, the defense is going to be markedly better, and I expect them to 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 make a, to make a playoff push this year. 
All right. We'll get into the final standings and the particular playoff teams. I'll go to Darnell. My playoff standings are going to look like this. Cleveland Browns, number one, I believe they're going to go – they could possibly go 13-3, 12 This team is a um, – like I said earlier, this team is a very talent-laden team. You have um, not just on offense, like I said earlier, you have Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Junior David and Joku, Juice Landry. You have all the all that talent offense. I didn't even talk about the defensive end of the field. We have Denzel Ward, the breakout player from last year. You have Greedy Williams, one of the best cover corners coming out of college. You have, um, in my opinion, this is another guy that could have been uh, my breakout player is, um, is um, Matt Wilson. I, I kept saying Marlon Mack in my head, the running back from from, from the coach. But it's, uh, his name is Matt Wilson, linebacker out of Alabama. This guy somehow fell to, I think, I forgot if he was the third or the fifth round. I think he was the fifth round in the draft. Um, this guy, he's a linebacker. He can play the wood. He he really can hit. You got him on the field. You still have Miles Garrett. There's nothing that I can really say about Miles Garrett. This guy is absolute beast on the field. You have um, Sheldon Richardson. You have a lot of talent on both ends of the field. So, um, and with that, you have Freddie Kitchens. He's a good play caller. Like you said earlier, um, you got to need guys that can handle locker room. That's a question mark. But with um, Freddie Kitchens, you have a guy that has proven that he is a pretty good play caller. Like, he can dial up plays to get guys open in ways Hugh Jackson could not. So, um, or Todd Haley was really calling plays. But um, So, I believe they're going to be the best team in the division. Second team. I'm going to Pittsburgh Steelers. Third team, Baltimore Ravens. Um, and the last team is going to be uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I haven't really been thinking about them a lot. Um, they're, they struggled a lot last year. And guess who? A.J. Green already injured. So that that already feels bad news for the Steelers. So that's my sadness for this, for this coming up year. All right, let's do analysis, man. All right, all right, Hank, what do you got? Okay, you know what? Um, all due respect to the talent that Cleveland has, they're going to still have to show me something, okay? Uh, they're going to have to show they can, they, can, they can put it all together. So with that being said, I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens to win the division simply because their schedule helps them out. They, 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 their schedule starts off pretty soft for a team that was a playoff team. I expect them to, to, to start off strong, and that's going to carry them through and win the division. Secondly, I'm picking Cleveland only because, you know, again, their schedule uh, is kind of soft, and they should be able to put out nine wins out their schedule and, and probably get a playoff spot. The third, and very close, this, this, this is like 2A, two two is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because I think the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to raise some heck in this division in, in, in the AFC. They're going to beat some teams they shouldn't beat, and then you know, and they're buying in the injury. You know, they they could just sneak up and grab a playoff spot. Okay, uh, that's the kind of team I expect them to be. They're very sneaky. They're very scary. And finally, 
the 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 uh, rebuild begins with the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, I, I, I'm, 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 so you know, you already know where I'm going. I'm going with the Steelers. And, and I'm going to give you rationale. I think before their buy, which I think they have a pretty competitive schedule, um, I think at most they should come up and play a buy with maybe two losses. But after their buy, they they play Miami. They play Indianapolis. We don't know where Indianapolis is going to get there. They play the, well, they play Indianapolis at home. They play Miami at home. They play Indianapolis at home. They play the Rams at home. They play at Cleveland. They play at Cincinnati. They play Cleveland. Then they play at Arizona. They play Buffalo. They play the Jets. And then they play at Baltimore. That schedule, after their buy, they can get out of that schedule with maybe one or two losses. Yeah, you're right. So, I, I, I got a feeling the Steelers are at least 11 teams, 11, uh, 11 winning teams. And, and just with that schedule alone, the way it builds. And I think the first part of the schedule is just going to set their tone. The first part of the schedule is brutal. Yeah. But I think for them, it's what they need with all this off-season stuff. So they're going to be getting – they're almost going to be like a playoff mode mindset going into that box, which I think is perfect because championships are built on schedules and how that – and I think for this team, they need to do a schedule like that. That's just going to make that defense – a championship level defense. So you open up against great, right? You got to be on your game in Foxborough. So Devin Bush, the youngster, don't face another Michigan. You got to be in. You got to be ready to go. You gonna learn something. You gonna teach you some lessons, younger, but you gonna learn something. You gonna come away from that. Whether you get to victory or not, you gonna come away from that. So I think that sets them up there. I think this is gonna be won by coaches. Number two is Baltimore. They just come, they just see me to death. <laughs> they see me to death. And so even though Cleveland has a lot of talent, Baltimore will see me to death. They'll squeeze the game. They'll frustrate it. They'll figure something out. They they will they will figure out how to see them. And then I think the Browns. And then I say the Bengals. And and I, I think this is going to be won by good head coaches. And the two best coaches in that division are John Harbaugh and, and Mike Brown. This has been a good conversation, y'all. I love the way this began. So next week, we're going to close. And the thing about it, it's probably best that we're closing with the AFC West. And then we're going to talk about, out of all the teams, we got to go back and look, and we're going to pull together our playoff team. And we'll, we'll, we'll hit them. Who we think will be in the Final Four? And then we'll talk about the championship and who is going to win. But this is a caveat. We got a little wrinkle. Because one of the things that I, I, I enjoy about who we are is because we're always ahead of the game when we talk about this stuff. And we also are always trying to educate people. That one of the things that we, we do love best about what we do is that we are able to evaluate the evidence. So one of the things you guys want to do and I'm going to have to do is you have a week. We're going to come back and do an ASU West. And you have one opportunity before the season starts to change anything we have that we'll have on our list. So you might want to say, hey, I want to change uh, who I think is the most important uh, player 
for a team in AFC North. I thought about this. I think it's this place. <laughs> or I'm, I'm, I'm thinking differently about my order for the uh, NFC East. I think it's going to be this order. Not that I'll make that. And then we'll go into uh, playoff. That, that's a wrinkle. How do you like that wrinkle? That'll work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just can't reflect. You know, I'm, I'm a volunteer. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you say? No, I said I'm a volunteer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you said you're a volunteer. I'm volunteer to answer questions. There you go. So, so what? I, what are things I? I, I, I I know there's a lot going on, and we went through this. Yeah? So I want to get the chance to reflect. And you think, think a little bit different about it, and we'll come back. I'll try to put together some type of, you know, where can we try to see what I answer that. I'm going to go back and listen to some of this But that's what we'll do. So the listeners can get a chance. To say, there are times for you to say, hey, new data has informed me, and I'm thinking differently about this. And we need a lot to give each other permission to do that. And we don't do that anymore. So that's what we're trying to put together to pull it off next week. Guys, y'all have been doing a terrible job with this. Um, hey, this is RG1, Mike. If you have a chance to listen to all those uh, other shows we've done, At right now we're about to close it out. When our man, hey, he's going to drop the mic. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Listen, we spent all this time talking about football. We know football is back. So much so that this coming Saturday, is the opening season of the 2019 season of college football, okay? College football will be celebrating its 150th season starting this Saturday. 150 years of football, which got me to thinking, me being the elder statesman on this show, when was the first college football game ever played? Well, clearly it was played 150 years ago, but who were those teams that was playing in that thing? Well, it just so happens that Rutgers, yes, the University of Rutgers, and the New University of New Jersey, later known as Princeton, played in the first college football game ever on November 6th, 1869. It took place in New Brunswick, New Jersey, okay, uh, with an audience of about 100 people. All right, can you imagine that? That, that, that was the birth, and that's why today, uh, Rutgers University is known as the birthplace of college football. And you just think about 150 years, you know, and, and some of the things and some of the, the pageantry that's gone on with college football, the Heisman Trophy, and some of the Heisman Trophy uh, winners that we know about, the Jim Thorpe that played college football, the uh, Hopalong Cassidy's. We move on to the O.J. Simpsons. We move all the way up to the Derrick Henry's, the Marcus Mariota's, and on and on and on until last year's winner. You know, uh, Lamar, the Lamar Jackson and all the players that we're talking about right now, the Kyler Murray's that has won the Heisman in just, uh, just many, many years of college football. And now it starts back up, and that officially starts football all around. And right after that, we have the NFL starting its show, okay? So to answer your question, okay, who won the first game ever played in college football between New Jersey and New Jersey or Rutgers against Princeton? Well, you'd be happy to know that 
Rutgers won that game by a whopping score of 6-4. to four. That's our show for tonight. Peace. We'll talk to you next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.